Hi, this is Doug Kay, the co-host of All About the Gear, and you're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. TWIP is also brought to you by Panasonic Lumix Cameras, changing photography for the next generation, and FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. To try FreshBooks for free, just go to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, and when you sign up, enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Before we dive into this week's show, here's a quick look at what's happening this week on the TWIP Network over on Street Focus. Valerie speaks with veteran photographer and podcaster, Mr. Chris Marquardt. Over on TWIP Family, our newest show, Jenny Stein sits down with the amazing Mi Rocco. And on TWIP Talks, I interview commercial and fashion photographer, Mr. Tim Ingle in a haunted castle. And on TWIP Weddings, the guys chat with Steve Rosen about photographing same-sex weddings. And on The Fix, Jan Kabili kicks the tires on Adobe Photoshop CC 2015. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe to any or all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. This is TWIP, episode 418, Facebook Moments. The stream of new products and services continues to flow this week. This time it's Facebook with their newest offering aimed at helping you manage and share your personal photos. Their new Moments app is designed to help groups, that is friends, families, etc., share photos in private pools. Now, that in and of itself is not really new. This week's discussion focuses instead on the rapid pace of introduction of these new apps and services all with the goal of convincing you to use their products to manage your precious memories. And it's no longer a matter of which app sucks less. They're all pretty amazing each in their own way. Instead, it's now become a matter of personal preference and, of course, where the bulk of your relationship reside. Now, that is the new battle. You've heard of the attention economy now as the battle to get your attention and keep it continues to heat up. Our personal photos are amazingly strong, let's say, super glue that these social networks and other companies are looking at to get you stuck to their services and to keep you coming back. Here to discuss Facebook's new Moments app and other photography news of the week, I'm joined by African wildlife photographer Mr. Andy Biggs, the host of TWIP Street Focus, Miss Valerie Jardin, and wildlife photographer and new TWIP recruit Mr. Juan Pons. It's Monday, June 22nd, 2015, and this is TWIP. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. Uh, it's going to be a really good show. We've got lots of interesting and some controversial topics to talk about this week. Um, as I just said in that quick intro, I've got Mr. Andy Biggs, Mr. Juan Pons, and Ms. Valerie Jardin here to talk about the issues that are happening this week in photo. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. Hey, How you everyone. doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this stuff. First up, in story number one is Facebook. So last week, Facebook launched a new standalone app uh, called Moments that's designed to help, this is what they're saying, this is in their words, help friends build collaborative photo albums for easy sharing of memory. So they're saying for big albums like weddings to smaller ones like a trip or a night out, the app lets you gather photos from multiple points and view them and make them available to everyone in your group. So like a, a group sharing thing. When I read this and I saw this, you know, it's it's getting more and more, I mean, it's competition, obviously, so competition right. is good. 
but I look at Google Photos. I think Google Photos allows you to do something like this. I know Apple is hanging their hat on this with Apple Photos. So it, it, I love competition, but geez, man, it's, it's like there's so many choices. It's like it's paralyzing the amount of choice that we have. It makes you just want to say, you know what, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait because something better is coming next week anyway. Why don't I just sit on my photo? Juan, why don't you kick us off, man? What do you, what do you think? You're the traveling family, man. What, is this something that appeals to you? Well, we've been doing this forever. We've been doing this with Dropbox for quite a while, and then we tried it with, to a certain extent with um, Apple Photos as well. So, And it works really nicely because everybody can just pile on their images in this one folder, and then everybody can look at them and share them. But what's happening now, like you just said, is that now there's all these services doing it, so now we're back in the same boat. Like, okay, well, is it on Facebook? Is it on Apple Photos? Is it on Dropbox? I don't know. So now you start looking in 20 different places. So... Yeah. Um, I, actually, I downloaded it and I played with it a little bit. It was, I, it wasn't readily apparent or obvious to me how to use it. So mm -hmm. I guess I'll have to play a little bit with it and see how it works. the The nice thing is that it's in Facebook, right? Everybody's Facebooking with their family and friends and whatnot. So you know, it, there is that. You know, Facebook has that gravity. It's it's pulling everybody's content into it, sucking it in. Anyways. Totally. Yeah. It's like so Jupiter. Maybe. Yeah. It's like Jupiter. So so maybe <laughs> or the sun really. Um, yeah. Um, so maybe maybe this will be the place. Maybe maybe it'll win out uh, uh, over everybody else. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's it's like a, the the holy war for pixels, you know, is is waging, and it's Google, Apple, and Facebook, and they all have their own different weapons. Valerie, you know, you look at this. You're you have a family as well. I mean, are you guys digital, and are you sharing images through Facebook from the kitchen table? No, actually. <laughs> My family's not even allowed to post a picture of me on Facebook. <laughs> you have a filter I, in I there? Have control, I have control of all tagging. So, um, no, and actually, I don't use Facebook for anything personal. I've never posted a picture of my kids on Facebook or anything. That's kind of the, which you think as a street photographer, it's a little odd that I'm so private. But uh, oh, I, I am. I understand I'm privacy. For, I'm very private for personal stuff. Yeah. And um, I have two kids. The 17-year-old is not even on Facebook, so and doesn't even want to be on Facebook. And then the 21-year-old is on it once in a while. He uses it more for messaging than anything else. He rarely posts anything. So we're not a big Facebook family. I mean, I love Facebook for my page, and I love the Facebook audience. I'm having more fun with my Facebook audience than the Google Plus audience. There, it's a lot more interactive, and you just see the same faces and. I mean, people that have been following me for years, and and so I, I like that uh, for Facebook, but that's really all I use. But I think it's good that people can actually put their pictures in one folder that only a limited amount of people can view them, because not everyone wants to see your Friday night out. So yeah. um, the way it looks, it seems, and that would be something I'd be more interested in, is to, to put it all in one spot and then only share with certain people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, that that to me that just that basic fun functionality seems fundamental, and it seems like something that people have been trying to solve. That piece that you just mentioned, Valerie, been trying to solve for a decade. Andy, you know, right? So I mean, we, back in Flickr and private groups, and oh, you know, God. mobile me. I mean, it's just it just wow. goes on and on. It's like the sync issue. Remember? I mean. Companies have been trying for decades trying to figure out how to sync contacts and calendars. Yeah. It still doesn't work exactly right, but 
I don't know. What do you think about this, Andy? Is this, this, does this appeal to you? Well, you know, when it came up on the show notes and we were we were uh, preparing for the show, um, and I went down and downloaded it, and I'm on the the um, the app page right now on the, on um, on the Apple Store, and it says moments. Get the photos you didn't take. That sucked me in right there, because as a photographer, I'm always the guy taking photographs, and I never see anybody else's because they're too embarrassed to show them to a professional photographer. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so this immediately was like, wait a minute, I might actually be in a photograph with you know with my kids, with my, you know, whoever. And, and that's, I like that. So I'm already sucked in because of that. Yeah. I use, yeah. Facebook. I use Facebook more than Google plus. I like, like she mentioned, um, it's more engaging. I've got a more, a more engaging audience. So, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm game. But like Juan said, it's not readily apparent how easy it is to, to get it all set up and get it, get to use it. So I'll try it this week and see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat, but I, I tell you, there's so much stuff to try it's almost you got to schedule time, like your your new new app testing time, you know, because it's like all it, it used to be like oh, like email. You remember back in the day, it was like oh, I got an email, woo, you know. You say that when you get a letter in the mail. I know. Now like you wake up and there's like oh, I went to bed, I had thirty unreads, now I have a hundred and thirty unread emails. Great. <laughs> Yeah, I like those days where you know you you start off the day with X number in your inbox. As long as it's less than X when you yeah. go to sleep, you did a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that was my mindset, Andy. But then that X kept rising. You know, I was like, you know, as long as I have less than ten unreads, I'm good. Then next week, you know, thirty's not such a bad number. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a, this is a, this is an ancillary topic. But the problem is, is as that number may get lower, you think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm beating it. I'm whacking them all. Yep. But you're neglecting those 30 Facebook messengers that you got, yep. messages you got, all the other text messages and all yep. your Skype messages. I wish there was a universal inbox. Now, look, we need to solve that one. There you go. Hey, like but this that. is a photography show. <laughs> I love it. Hey, it's all data, right? Yeah, universal <laughs> universal messaging with yeah. maybe a photography component on there that you can pick and choose groups to share to. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is I'm I'm happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being a curmudgeon. I'm I'm happy that companies like Facebook are innovating with the types of tools that we have, but at the same time, it's like okay, <laughs> you know, when you know when do we? Where do you draw the line of when you're gonna like stop embracing this new stuff? I, I like one of the things that Andy said is one way for him to get images. I I, I do something similar. You talked about um, Flickr earlier. For all of my workshops, I set up a private group where all the workshop participants can share the images and stay in touch with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's something I need to do and then send out the invitations and. Oftentimes I'm traveling, you know, my schedule's hectic. If this is something that people can set up on their own and start sharing, creating the group, that's actually kind of cool. So yeah. maybe a, a nice little tool. I, yeah. I do the same thing on, uh, I have Facebook group for every single workshop, and I have dozens and dozens and dozens of groups that are still right. open, mm-hmm. and, uh, and there's no way I can pay attention to what happened three years ago. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is high maintenance, but at least it's in one spot. Yeah, you're right. That would be a good, good, uh, good thing for that. That's interesting, so Valley. So you spawn a brand new Facebook group each for each workshop. Wow. Even weekends. Yep. 
and and it just lives on in perpetuity. You know, and just say, yeah. hey, the workshop's over. I'm closing the group. You just no, let it because go. people share. A lot of friendships develop through the during the workshop, and people keep sharing. I have I have uh, groups from three years ago. They still share regularly, and they've all come on workshops together again, and and become friends. And so then they post their personal things like so and so just got a grandchild so they'll post there because they know it's this group of 10 friends that they made on their trip to Paris yeah, and totally and it's completely yeah. private it's actually I turned them secret group once because uh, for some reason people asked to uh, join the Paris 2013 <laughs> group three years later two years later I'm like people don't get it <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's private yeah. Hey, that's a lead. You just say, hey, I'm glad you expressed interest. Yeah. I have this other <laughs> workshop happening that you might find. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, but the great thing about those groups is that, you know, these people, like Barry said, they get to know each other. They like to hang out. And sometimes I've had people come together as a group and, on another workshop. Yeah. After yeah. So that actually works really well at me. So, you know. is, this, is this Moments app something that you guys would be able to all, – all three of you lead workshops. Is, it, is this something that you could use instead of Facebook Groups? Could you just Possibly. you know do it this way? Possibly. I, I have to look at it to see a little bit more. Like yeah. I said at the beginning, it wasn't very obvious how the app works. It went yeah. through my yeah. whole library and grouped my images, but and then said, "Do you want to share these group of images with somebody?" But yeah, so, yeah. It, I, I think the the user interface, you know, as I find with Facebook too, is not the most intuitive. Right. Right. No. Yeah. It's 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 it's. it's it's depending on the the features you choose to use, but it's it's like Photoshop almost. It's like Photoshop. Right. For, yes. Yeah. I mean, you you I use like that. Ten percent. Use that from now on. It's all yours. Yeah. yeah I, like I, have one big I have one question about this. Yeah, it's, go for it. it's an app that lives on the phone, but what about the actual serious photographs that were taken with SLRs or any other equipment? Hey, hey, hey! You're saying iPhone photos are not serious? <laughs> no, you know, what's wrong with you? But can 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 it can is there functionality to accommodate for that? From a from a web browser without having to get those photographs onto the phone first and then up there. That's a good question. I yeah. don't. Man, people do that with Instagram all the time though too, right? They export yeah. them to their phones and upload from in, from Instagram because you can't upload from the web to Instagram, correct? Right. Correct. Yeah. So, and people correct. do it all the time. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, when I see this, I I think about I also think about Flickr. You know, because I feel like Flickr has the infrastructure. Flickr. I mean, I would say, I would argue is and was or, or currently has and had the ability to be the operating system for photography on the web, mm -hmm. right? They had yeah, it. I mean, yes. you know, groups, all that, private groups, public groups, you know, access and group administrators, yeah. all that stuff was there. And, and it's, it's still, still there. there. It's yeah. still there. So I wonder, you know, why... Why don't many? Why don't more people use use Flickr for this stuff? And I guess it's because, like you said, Juan, the party's at Facebook, right? So right. Yeah, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no followers, it doesn't make a sound. <laughs> right. I mean, I only use today. I only use Flickr for that, and it's because I've been using it that way for almost ten years. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But otherwise, I really don't go to Flickr anymore. Even though it looks, your know, Flickr's been improved. It looks so much nicer. It's easier yeah. to use. You know. It doesn't seem like you know the neglected, you know, uh, uh, site that has never been visited by the developers in 20 years, kind of thing anymore. At least <laughs> it's been updated. It's got a new look and you know, better feel to it. But, but still, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of like crickets. You know, yeah. Everything yeah. is at 500 px or Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You keep putting a new dress on and saying, "Hey, look at me." You know. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
I think people just got upset that they got they felt abandoned by you know by uh by yeah, there's, there's some bad, all photographers did. So. Yeah, there's some bad blood there. Yeah, and you know the our images are sacred, right? I was talking to who was right. I, talking to? I was talking to uh, a great conversation with Trey Ratcliffe yesterday, and we were talking about Google Photos and we the conversation. And this was, we were just, you know, out having drinks. And the conversation took a turn towards uh, privacy and, mm-hmm. and, and how putting certain data – I mean, we all know that lots of our data, more data than we even realize about us is online and available. But when you, when you start talking about something as personal as your personal family photos, baby first step, baby's first steps and weddings and birthdays and all that stuff, sharing that on a social network – it gets a little weird, you know, especially when you know it's a social network who's who makes their money based on advertising. Uh, you, right? You're the product, and now you're giving them more of you. You give them your kids, you know. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, and I think, you know, I'm not. I don't want to speak for Trey, but I think part of his standpoint was, yeah, but you got to trust somebody, right? right. At some point, you got to trust somebody, and I agree with that. But at the same time, I'm still like, you know. Companies like Google and Apple, and we mentioned Flickr and even Facebook, they've launched products that have gone belly up. You know, so now what? If you invest all your time in getting your folders and groups and friends and sharing and permissions and all this, and you get that dreaded email again, which I've gotten many times from companies that says, "Hey, good news, we've been acquired by so and so." Good news, right? <laughs> but, you know, but uh, <laughs> good news for you, who? You know, I had a conversation like a couple of weeks ago regarding was it? Uh, I think the new uh, Google Images stuff, right? Yeah. And, and the uh, problem with um, ownership of those again, uh-huh. you know, the rights that they the the rights grab that Google was going after again after having been through this boondoggle once with Google Plus. You know when they put out, put out the new product, uh, which I forget what it's called. Is it called Google Images or whatnot? No, it's or? Google Photos. It's just Google, Google Photos, right? Yeah. They, 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 again, we have the issue of rights. Yeah. You know who owns those images and what can Google do with those images? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of reticent to put my images in the old place, right? I want to find out exactly what the companies are going to do with those images. Yeah, I, mean, I think bottom line before we leave this topic is is this stuff is. I, I'm an optimist. I'm an incurable optimist. So I am happy that all these tools are coming along and that things are so much further than they were when, you know, when when I was just getting started in photography. There's so much. There's so much to complain about now. <laughs> back then, back then we had, we were complaining about, man, I need a faster roll of film. When are they going to make some faster film? You know. <laughs> yeah. Now, Andy, you remember that. Dude, don't trust. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And now we have these kinds of first world issues to complain about. So, yeah, I want to couch all of this discussion in that these are some great tools and some great, amazing companies that weren't even here a few years ago that are giving us tools to do cool stuff with. But still, you know, there's a little grain of salt in every, every, everything. <laughs> so make sure you read everything. Um, and speaking of reading everything, after the break, um, this commercial break, we're going to talk about a new service that offers rankings for photo sharing sites, Terms of Service. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at that Maybe after this. Answer. 
This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, enter the code this week in photo or twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this week in photo. All right, guys, we're back. Let's take a look at this next story. So this comes over from our friends at F-Stoppers. So uh, this is the the name of this new service is Terms of Service Didn't Read. <laughs> That's awesome. Story of my life. So it's a new online service that offers a report card style ranking for various website terms of service agreement. And the website, which understands the well, it understands the unusual approach a user has to these agreements, has created a very easy uh, summary of how you can understand what's in there. So before you get in there and check the, I have read this and I agree to it. So basically, it looks at them and says, okay, this is easily understandable, and this is what's in there. So anyway, they created this report card thing, which I think is brilliant. Right? I think everything should have this. <laughs> I think car dealers should have this. I think all this companies should have this. Um, but they created this, and this is a good segue from the Facebook thing and the Google Plus thing. So, Andy, when you saw this, is this – first of all, is this something – like, when you look at this, are you like, you know what? That might be too much information. I just, I just I'd rather revel in not knowing that the company oh, that I man. chose to store my images with is got a D. <laughs> I love I love it. I love it because it's power to the mass and what it is is hopefully a mechanism to get companies to to tighten their terms of service to uh be more sensitive to how those um things that we give the, those companies whether it's information, our photographs, let's say it's a, it could be even a competition, 
how that information or, or uh, um, intellectual property or creative property is used. I think yep. that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. I love how there's an extension, there's a plugin for your web browser that as you're on the website, it's giving it a score, A, B, C, D, E, you know, yeah. and it's telling you, hey, you know, some other people don't think that this is an A, maybe it's a B, maybe you should look at it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's cool. I like that. It's color-coded. It's easy to figure out. It's like a, it's like an Alexa ranking for your, for terms of service. Right? I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it too. Valerie, what do you think? I mean, is, oh, I, is, I think is it's good? great. It's all thumbs up or thumbs down. And I was looking at Facebook, and it's all thumbs down except for one. So I'm a little concerned, but uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it's great, and that's how things change. I mean, if enough people are unhappy about a service, eventually they'll change something. You'd hope. Yeah. 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 Yeah, let, so the, let the people masses find speak. out. And if it's easy like this, on that, I would sign. You know, I don't read terms of services. Who does? I mean, yeah. they're like 20 pages long. Attorneys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's their job, I guess. Yeah, I wish they. I mean, this is great, and I love this. I'm I'm with you guys. Uh -huh. I think this is great. But I would really love to have a. Uh, like I want the legalese, lawyer-friendly terms of service that I can dive into, and if I have to ha give it to my lawyer when I'm suing, I, you know, they have all that detail. But I want a kid-friendly version too, so that just says, "Hey, you're just you're agreeing to this. We're not going to do this. It's all good, and it's all. Oh, by the way, if you're worried about this, don't don't click the checkbox. You know, that kind of thing. Or maybe even a video one. Why not do a video terms of service? Hire a, a, an, an actor to just say, hey, you know what, this is what this means, you know? <laughs> get Danny, <laughs> DeVito, get Danny yeah. DeVito or Will Smith or somebody in there and be like, okay, I'm going to explain to you what you're about to sign up for. <laughs> that sounds like a great uh, comedy sketch on uh, YouTube. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. That would be cool. Companies could compete on how entertaining their terms of services. Yeah. Turn lemons into lemonade, dudes. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, why would you know, think? Yeah, look, I, I think it's a great idea. I love it. The only thing is, as I look at it, it's kind of depressing. Yeah, right? it because is. They're all, they're all they go thumbs down. There's there's like 20 times more thumbs down than thumbs up. Um, but, you know, I like also your idea of, you know, there's a thing on Reddit called, tell me like I'm five years old. Yes. Which is, explain something so basic that even a five-year-old could, could understand right. it. And yeah. that's exactly, I think, what they're going after here. Uh, I think they still have a little bit more work to do, but um, but yeah, I think this is a good start. It, it's kind of neat, um, you know. Some of the companies that I know, because I'm kind of very sensitive to this um, as well, and um, you know, some of their ratings seem okay. Uh, I'm not sure that they've actually. I think they're really early on because they haven't done a deep dive into a lot of this stuff. Yeah. But you know, I'm Give glad to see that Flickr has a lot of thumbs up. Mm -hmm. the, the ones I use are all are all really bad. Nice. The only ones that have good ratings I don't use, so I've never heard of. I mean, Google, YouTube, and uh, Facebook, and 500px are all bad. Well, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it was good. I mean, they're shining a light on these on the terms yeah. of service. So yeah. you know, and and to play devil's advocate for these companies, the their the language in their terms of service, even though it says, "Hey, yes, we will." you know, come to your house and take your firstborn, they very rarely do that, right? So they're not, even right. though they say they could use your images and promotions and all that, that probably means if there's a screen of a, a photo that shows up in one of their ads and Facebook, say, for example, is on that screen and one of your images is on Facebook, you can't sue them. You know, so it's not like they're going to take the image and go monetize it or something. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I've never been worried about that. I mean, it's 
it's so worth it anyways. I mean, what are you going to do? Just, you know, crawl in a hole and right. <laughs> just yeah. ignore social right. media? Right. Then you might as well just hang up your camera now and because that's that's part of our marketing strategy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's part of the world we live in. I mean, we yeah. weren't here a while ago. I mean, we've been ter we've been agreeing to terms of service agreements yeah. for a long time, but this fever pitch of online services that capture all of our data. I mean, we're doing our banking. We're like we're just saying our photos are up there. We're communicating online with our friends and family. Everything is is pretty much done through your phone, your tablet, or your computer. And each one of those interactions, you've probably agreed to a terms of service agreement that got a lot of thumbs down. <laughs> so you're already kind of, you know, you're in the middle of quicksand up to your neck already. Now you know it's quicksand. <laughs> so. well, and, and, and like Barry, you said, you have to, yeah, you have to share your stuff online. Otherwise, what are you gonna do? Crawl under a rock and not be yeah. out? I mean, that's the only way you're gonna get exposure. People are gonna know. About about you as a matter of fact the most lucrative licensing deals I've ever done have been because people found the images on Flickr online yeah so if I didn't have those images out there and people weren't able to find them you know I would have lost all, a lot of sales actually a lot of money so yeah I'm, I'm all for sharing you know and you can't be afraid of, of sharing your stuff if you want to get your name out there yeah yeah that's absolutely right yeah because you could be that that you know, person, the, the hermit crab that's like, hey, don't touch my marbles. And then, of course, no one's going to see your marbles. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so why why have the marbles in the first place if no one's going to see them? And really, I mean, honest people will be honest and dishonest people will be dishonest. And Always. there's nothing we can do, but there are more good people than bad people. And and I don't care if people use my, I mean, my pictures on Facebook and Google Plus are so small. I don't care if they use them as a screen on their phone, you know, it means they right. like it, and uh, and so what, you know, I'm not yeah. paranoid about that. Yeah, I love it. I think, I mean, if I was to give their service a ranking, I would give it a thumbs up. So let's give it all thumbs up across the Twip crew for this episode. <laughs> yeah. get up. We just have very low expectations, really. I do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I find by having low expectations, I'm very rarely disappointed. You're a much happier person. <laughs> You know, it, it works, man. Come on. It keeps me in a good mood. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's jump into story number three here. Um, this one's a good one here. So uh, last week, DxO, um, and I'm going to read this a little bit from their press release here. DxO, a world leader in digital imaging technologies, last week introduced the DxO1, a revolutionary camera that delivers DSLR image quality in an extremely compact size. And then they go on to list the size. It's about this big. It's like the, it's like smaller than a pack of cigarettes, uh, essentially. Um, but what this is, and you guys, we'll put all this in the, in the notes, but, or you can just go to the DxO website. Um, but what it is, it's, they took a different spin on what Sony tried to do with their lens camera. You remember Sony did right, that lens right. camera that was connected yeah. through Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, and you could take pictures, and it never really took off, and then we haven't heard about it since people started giving it bad reviews. Now, DxO entered that space, basically the use your phone as the viewfinder space, but instead of doing the wireless connection, they have the uh, lightning connector on there, which is on the, the back of the iPhone. So essentially, on the camera, you flip out a little lightning connector, and you plug your iPhone in there, and now it's basically part of the 
phone. And you now use the phone as the viewfinder for this thing. And this is a professional, you know, according to DxO, I haven't, I haven't had, have played with it. I've held it. I went to DxO's headquarters in San Francisco and played with it for a minute. But I haven't shot with this thing yet. And it, uh, first of all, it feels, and I told these guys that when they were briefing me, it feels like if Apple decided to release a camera for the iPhone, it would be this. <laughs> really? Know, literally. It should have an Apple logo on it because it feels like that. It feels like it's well-crafted. It's well-designed. It's it's milled aluminum. It The UI is smart. Every question I ask them about every little bit of it, they had the answer for it. Yes, it does that. does this. Oh, yeah, this is how you do that. The only... Only thing that they didn't have an answer for that um, hopefully will show up in version two of this thing is it doesn't have a tripod socket on the bottom, which arguably you probably wouldn't need in a device like this anyway, but still. So first of all, there's a couple of tacks that I wanted to take to this. So the first tack is, <laughs> uh, Andy, I'm going to throw it to you first, oh, and I'm going to go down the line. <laughs> You're in Africa from time to time, I hear rumor. I hear allegedly, yeah. Allegedly, you know, and there's a picture of, <laughs> is that a giraffe behind you there? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I've been uh, in India it? recently, so I broke the mold. Oh, there you go, there you go. Uh, so you're an intercontinental traveler. Is this something that you would see working its way into your camera bag or your back pocket or something? You know, maybe if uh, if I wasn't stuck with their app, you know, if yeah. if, if other apps actually wrote uh, some sort of, um, uh, you know, access to it, mm -hmm. that would be actually really cool. I mean, for for example, like if you could do video with it and get a better quality out of it, yeah. Um, stills. The answer is yeah. You know, maybe doing time lapse with a better quality camera optic. Mm -hmm. uh, the answer is probably so. I'll probably buy one of these just to play around with it. Do you yeah, I'm definitely gonna buy one. And yeah. and I'll tell you, they. You know, I'm sitting in the offices over there, and I everywhere I go, I have a camera with me, right? I mean, I have my iPhone with me, but lately I just carry one of my mirrorless cameras with me. You normally the LX100 or you know a. a GM5 or something, a little tiny camera I have with me just in case. Very rarely use it, but just in case. Yeah. When I went into their headquarters, um, I'm sitting in their briefing room, and they're like, yeah, so where's your camera? And I was like, oh, I put it in the glove compartment <laughs> in the car. Uh -huh. And they're uh -huh. like, exactly. That's why we uh -huh. made this thing. You would carry this with you because it will slip in your front pocket, and you could still get, quote, DSLR-level images with this thing. Juan, what, what about you? When you see this, well, is this something that you need? Um, you know, and I don't think so. I mean, I've been using my iPhone, you know, to take images when I don't have carry big camera. Recently, I got um, somewhere else, you know, right here, an A6 6000. Oh and yeah, I, I'm, I'm liking this camera a lot. It's that thing's amazing. Yeah, it's it's nice and small. It's uh, takes 10 pictures for uh, frames per second, mm -hmm. uh, and the quality is 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 impressively good. And, you know, the low light, it's it's so so. I don't know. I mean, I think that um, there are a couple of questions that I have. One is, you know, the file format that's being uh, created. Is it proprietary? Um, apparently, they're going to create DNGs, so maybe not. Maybe you'll be able to edit well, they, these they files. Said they said the camera will be supported in an upcoming version of Camera Raw, so you'll okay. really use the images in Lightroom and Photoshop, nice. which is universal. So, so that's nice. Yeah. One of the things that I read, though, was that the camera, actually, the way it gets the quality that it's getting is that it takes four images in quick succession and then stitches them together. Mm. Um, so, you know, once I saw we were going to talk about this, I did a little bit of research. And, you know, so the, so the challenge there is if they're fast-moving subjects, what's going to happen? What is that going to look like? Mm -hmm. They apparently really focus this towards, you know, 
portraiture and family pictures and things of that nature. So, um, so I think I think at the end of the day, as with anything else, it's going to depend on the quality of the image, right? Yeah. If this is going to produce a really nice quality image, you know, that's going to be really compelling. That's why I like this little Sony camera, is because the images are 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 tremendous. So, right. Yeah. Um, you know, from a convenience perspective, nothing is going to be as convenient as the the camera on my iPhone, right? Because the iPhone is with me all the time. Yeah. So the only time I'm going to pull something else out is it's going to give me a better quality image. So that's to I, me that's the question. question. I have a question. Is this is this four photographs successive photograph? Is this pixel shifting technology? My understanding, I see as far as I read is that it really just takes four pictures in quick succession and then like stacks them together to reduce the inherent noise in the small sensor. Okay. So HDR okay. is in camera okay. HDR essentially. Okay. It's right. supposed to trying to get a bigger file. Okay. Right. Or, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Instead of yeah, you're you're saying Annie, instead of being like a panorama that's stitched together to give you more megapixels, it's yeah. One, you're saying it's it's doing a z-axis stack and exactly. merging them together. Yeah, they're talking about temporal noise suppression or something, some <laughs> really crazy name. <laughs> I saw that episode of Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> nanu, nanu. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and supposedly that's going to improve the quality of the image, to, and they compare it to a Nikon 7200 or something like that. Yeah, see, I don't know about that. See, I want to yeah. talk about that a little bit. We're yeah. going to talk about that a little bit. I want to give, okay. Before we move on to that section, Valerie, I want to get your thoughts on this. When I saw this in person, I immediately thought of you, and I thought of your Paris workshop when you were doing your sort of stealthy from-the-hip photography, you know, tethering thing. When you, when you clamp this DxO1 onto your phone, the... It's it's on like a rotating hinge, so you have an articulated LCD automatically, so you can aim it in any direction. So you could theoretically be looking yeah. down at it and shooting photos, and that's what I thought of you. And, yeah. yeah. Would you would you use something like this for street photography? Possibly, you know that that'd be worth checking into. I mean, I've used my my phone, my smartphone for street photography on occasion. I I love it. A lot of photographers, that's all they use for street. Um, and um, and this looks really small, so added to your phone really wouldn't take much space. So yeah. I'd like to I'd like to try it. I mean, either I'm carrying a small camera or I'm carrying my phone or both. So you know, not something that I would favor over my camera for sure. Yeah. Uh, it would be for those times where oh, I just want to shoot with my phone. So possibly yeah. if it's that much better, you know, I can low light for example. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, it would replace, if it does everything they say it would do, it would replace a fixed lens camera for me. I know, like, I wouldn't do that with me. This, uh, yeah. I would replace my little Fuji X100S. No, I mean, no I don't way, know how. No, I'm not saying those. <laughs> so those are different. I'm saying the, I'm saying the little, I'm going out to dinner fixed okay. lens camera that you, you want to be in, unobtrusive with. and Cocktail you know, party camera. Yeah, 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 the fun camera. Yeah, that you oh. take with you. So, yeah, I don't know. So... I would buy this. The price point of this is six hundred dollars. Oh wow! It's six hundred bucks. Yeah, five ninety nine. They're taking pre-orders now. Um, and Andy, I'm looking at their site now. It says you can bring the DxO one home and take exceptional photos and videos wherever you go. That's so good. So you can shoot those videos as well with it. I know they're not 4K. I asked them specifically if they were 4K. It's 1080, but still, it's pretty yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but but six hundred dollars. A lot That's of people are saying, like Juan, how much did that Sony A six thousand cost? I was just gonna hold this up. It's about six hundred bucks. Yeah, it's yeah. An interchangeable lens. 
camera, obviously it's not as small, it's not as compact, but um, it's you know, a different tool though. Second, you know, and interchangeable lenses, it's pretty good. Yeah. It, it doubles well, the price of your phone. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sony yeah. X100S, 600 bucks, I think that's what I paid for it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, I don't take, I don't carry this everywhere because even though it can fit in a pocket, I just forget about it these days. Yeah, yeah. So, so one last question: Is it a fixed focal length lens? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it okay. is. It's fixed. Yeah, the lens. It's a f one eight thirty two millimeter equivalent aspherical lens. Okay. I mean, it would be uh, it would be ideal iris. for for street for, at that focal length. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it would be fun. I think we should get one for you to test, Valerie. You should take one sure. on your next workshop. <laughs> and it says it says uh, one inch sensor, twenty point two megapixel CMOS. So one inch sensor in this little thing. So that's uh, you know, that's interesting. I mean, so, for that price, it's got to be good. I mean, they can't sell you something for six hundred dollars and it'd be a little gadget. So you spoken like a true American consumer. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh no, what have you done to me? For that, it sounds like we have another eternal optimist in the group. Valerie's yeah. <laughs> like, if yeah, it was one hundred ninety-nine, I wouldn't even look at it. But six hundred, it's got to be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so the other the other piece of this conversation with this guy is well, first of all, I love it, you know, and I want one. I'm gonna get one. I'm actually gonna buy this thing. I think. Um, I hope. I wish they were out sooner because I'm going on a trip. I would take it with me. Um, but so that says a lot that I'm actually gonna buy this and play around with it. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to bring up on in the context of this this piece, and I'm treating this with kid gloves. Because this, I feel like this is an important new product. It's clearly important for DxO, so I don't want to I don't want to trash the product at all or DxO at all. But I want to kind of highlight some of the controversy, the other side of the coin that's going on, some of the conversations that are happening online with regard to DxO and their DxO mark scores that they apply to this. So if you know DxO, they've been like the industry standard for benchmarking cameras and lenses, all this stuff, right? So they got a high DxO mark score. Must be good, essentially, is what that means. So they gave their the sensor in this camera a score of 70 and up to 85 when using their super raw technology, which uh, you can read about on their site what it what it does. Um, and there are some people out there, and and I want to give the caveat that the people that are crying foul about that have not tried the camera yet. <laughs> so right. <laughs> they haven't had the camera in their hands. So these are. You know, a lot of this is just hearsay, and it's, you know, whatever. So they're saying that DxO is, un they're being biased towards their own stuff, which I don't know about. So I've, I've contacted the company. They did respond right before um, we went live recording this, and they're going to schedule an interview with me so that we can chat about it and get to the bottom. Hopefully they'll, you know, pull the covers back on this stuff. But, you know, just wanted to, to highlight that. If you want to dive more into that and look look at more of the hearsay that's going on, feel free. <laughs> just just go on YouTube and search for DxO1 and you'll oh, see it's very videos. entertaining. <laughs> yeah, Juan, you, you saw co videos. What did you, what did you see? Well, I, it was just very entertaining. There's some, you know, as always, there's there's crazy people online that uh, spout out ideas about stuff they know little about. Right, um, right. And it's entertaining to watch, but you always have to take it with a grain of salt. So, always. I mean, the, the fact that these guys are in the market of, rating cameras and lenses, right? And everybody takes them at their word for that because they they seem to be pretty spot on. They do a good job. I know I look at their ratings. Yeah. And now they rate they come out with a camera and of course they get great ratings. It's like, well, you know, yeah. it makes you think. You know, the skeptical in me says, well, are they 
and they really put in the camera through the same rigorous testing that they do everything else. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to say yes. I'm hoping that that that, that is true. I mean, mm -hmm. again, I like to be an eternal optimist, just like you. <laughs> say what? <laughs> an optimist too. <laughs> I, li I like to I like to say yes. That's what they're doing. But eh, you know, there's that little bit of nagging in the back of your head. That was a Jim. Okay. Wasn't that a Jim Carrey movie? Yes, man. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, when they when I talk to the company uh, in terms of what they're doing, I think a lot of what it is inside, it's not just a camera, right? So they're, I'm looking at their site now. They've got their photo software like DxO Optics Pro and Viewpoint and all that stuff. And the way they explained it to me is they took a lot of what they learned there in software and doing these kinds of apps and uh, computational photography algorithms, they took that and they put it in hardware. Right. inside this camera. So it's doing some things inside this little box that other cameras just don't do. I mean, there are, other cameras are, you know, they're doing some processing to the image, but they're not doing computational photography, except for maybe some lens corrections here and there. They're not doing heavy lifting computational. So, you know, on the one hand, I don't know if it's fair for them to apply DxO Mark scores to their hardware when nobody else can do that stuff. You know, if, if that's what I'm reading. But on the other hand, they're pushing the art form forward by doing this stuff. Yeah. You know? So what are you going to do? So you can either apply the score to your stuff and get, you know, get called to, to task about it. Or you could create an entirely new rating system for your camera and then get called to task for that. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. So, you lose either way. There's the, you lose either way. Or right. not rate it at all and get right. tasked for that. You know, people right. will complain, right. oh, you didn't rate it. Oh, what's going on there? You know, right. so it, it's kind of a lose-lose situation in terms of the rating. They have to rate it. If they rate it, they have to rate it with something that's already been out there, but they're rating something that's new. So it's, you know, it's an interesting situation. I'm looking forward to talking to the to them. I'm sure they could explain it better than I can. But I wanted to, like I said, I don't want to drag them through the mud at all because I think this is a fantastic product. I'm going to buy one. I'm not going to let them give me one. I'm going to buy one with my own money and <laughs> play with it. Uh, and I want to, uh, yeah, I'll report back my findings from the camera. And I'll also do an interview with them after I've played with the camera that I purchased. So I'll have more informed questions to ask them. And then we can do a follow-up show. And Valerie, hopefully I'll be able to get them to send you a loaner unit to yeah, take on your next, you know, one of your upcoming trips mm -hmm. overseas to bounce around with. Or one of you guys, who you know, whoever wants to yeah. try it out. We'll see if we can get one over there yeah, yeah. for you guys to play with. I think it's too short of a of a lens for a wildlife photography. <laughs> well, it depends, wow. depends on how brave you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You haven't seen me chase behind. You know, no, you're uh, talking to the you're talking to the Andy Biggs, right? Whatever. Ah, <laughs> ah, they come face to face with wildlife. Eh? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, while I was in India a few weeks ago, uh, one of the park rangers was uh, mauled and killed by a, a tiger. Oh, jeez. Mm. So yeah. it just brings it home how dangerous it yeah. can be if okay. you're on foot, but I'm not on foot. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. you, stay, you stay in the in the Humvee, like with your lens. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm that's smart. Awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, guys. Well, let's move on from that. So on the DXO thing, yeah, we'll post links to the, the DXO1. Definitely check it out. Do your homework about it. Read about it. It's really fascinating what they're doing. Uh, I mean, they their tagline, one of their taglines for this thing is the new shape of photography. And for a lot of folks, I mean, we're on the TWIP network. We're working, one of the shows that we're working on is a mobile photography or a small camera type photography show. And this fits right in there. You know, Derek Story's going to host it. 
and uh, he's the nimble photographer, right? Cool. And he, Derek had a, they sent Derek one of these units to play around with, so he's going to be talking about it as well. So I think it, it's important, and I think it's a. Uh, you know, they stood on the shoulders of giants, as Steve Jobs would have said. You know, they stood on the shoulders of Sony and looked at what they did and what people didn't want and created something that was much more consumer-friendly and professional and not consumery. So, you know, not to down consumers because I'm one of them, but still, you know. Um, anyway, check that out. All right, guys, let's move on to this uh, listener questions section. Um, our listener Q&A, our listener question for this week is from... Tim, what is it, Swaysland, and he says, I currently use, a, use Lightroom and Photoshop on an iMac, and I'm about to buy a laptop. My question is to do with my Lightroom library. Obviously, I don't want to have two copies of the same library, um, then possible different edits of the images. I heard on your show a while back someone say that they use Dropbox for the library files. I have no idea what to do. I want a straightforward opinion approach before I get too carried away. Do you or the panel have any suggestions? This has been the holy grail, man. People yeah. have been asking for this in Lightroom since the beginning of time. I want to I want to have one master library and have multiple instances of Lightroom be able to access it either from a network mm -hmm. or on the internet or whatever. Andy what do you think? What do you think about Tim's question? Is there a way to do this? Or in other words, can he put his? Can he just throw his whole drop, his whole library on Dropbox and and share it that way? I've tried it. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm talk, you're talking to a guy that has a couple hundred thousand raw files. Um, yeah. You know what I've learned that works best for me is I have a MacBook Pro that goes between home uh, in my office and on trips, and I have all of my uh, raw files on a like an attached uh, external hard drive, an 8 terabyte GTEC, and I've built smart previews for absolute every single one, and when I leave home, I still, or leave the office, I have all of my uh, editing ability on the laptop, even though I don't have the raw files with me at, time, at that time. I can still do all the work, ingest, bring stuff in, and then it all syncs up when I get back to the office. So that's my solution. It, it's a single computer solution because yeah. I couldn't find a an answer what what he's looking for. It, it doesn't exist. It doesn't. Yeah. It's like I said. It's it's a unicorn, yeah. right? Yeah. There's, 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 yeah. Sure. Oh, I I just wish we could I could sync because I I use an iMac on my office and I travel with my little MacBook Air, and I do minimal processing when I'm on the go, but I post, I blog, you know, and like in July, I'll be gone for a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I work on my pictures a little bit, and I hate it when I get home that I can't sync that mm -hmm. to Lightroom on my iMac, that I have to, you know, go over those same images and rework them, and it's like, why can't it sync? How hard would that be? Right, right. I mean, <laughs> it's just math, come on. I mean, really, <laughs> somebody's got to be figuring that out. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I have my own thoughts on this. Juan, I want to hear what you do. What, what, what's your thoughts for Tim? Well, I do something completely different. I have at home, I set up with, you know, a couple hundred thousand images, a couple hundred thousand images on a big machine with big hard drives and all that kind of stuff. When I'm on the road, though, my laptop leaves my house, like I'm leaving tomorrow morning, you know, with no images on it, really. And mm -hmm. I create a catalog for that specific trip. And as I make images during that trip, I load them on onto that catalog. It's kind of a virgin catalog that only has images from that trip. And then when I'm on the trip, I download and import and adjust and edit, tag and do all that kind of stuff. And then when I get home, I take those images and import them to my you know big RAID system. 
and then import that catalog into my main catalog. Yeah. So I always have a master catalog at home and a kind of a on-the-road um, catalog. And that's the best I've been able to do. If I need to work on a specific set of images when I'm on the road, yeah. what I'll do is I'll create uh, smart previews of those and export those as a catalog, work on those on the road if I need to, then when I come back and I import those back in, import those changes back mm -hmm. into my main library. But yeah. it's always that thing where you have my my primary library at home with the couple hundred thousand images in it, and then you know my laptop with just the images from that particular trip. Um, because I mean I can't take you know I think I have something like you know ten terabytes worth of images. How can I I can't carry that with me? It's just impossible. I mean that's images and videos, but I can't yeah. carry that with me. No, I mean there's solutions out there, and I'll I'll say one. That's the same thing I do. I, my my massive Lightroom library here that is redundant on Drobo's back there right. is, uh, I call it the Library of Congress. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, yeah, but my, my Library of Congress can actually make decisions, so it's good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but what I do, like, if I go out, I'll create, or whenever, if, if there's a new project, I'll create a brand new Lightroom library, and right. I'll just operate from there. It's clean, it's fast, it's easy, and Lightroom has the ability to import your library from, you know, so you, I can import that library, and I'm typically working off of an external um, Western Digital drive anyway, so I'll bring those files in, and check them into the library, get them all, once they're all propagated across the Drobo network, I'll, I can delete them off of my, uh, my external and I'm good to go and I keep going. But there are other solutions out there, right? So there's, you know, one of them that comes to mind when I think about this, aside from the brute force, multiple libraries connecting, if you're just talking about the sync aspect, there's Apple Photos, right? So Apple is working really hard to put images on all your devices in smart resolution. So, you know, there's a tiny resolution that goes on the watch. There's a larger resolution that goes on the iPad and slightly smaller for the iPhone. On other computers, you can pick and choose what. But like I said in previous shows, the limitation, there's limitations there, right? So right. one of the limitations is that that won't work for anyone on this show is there are two terabyte limits. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my, my, my watch can't hold two terabytes on it, so I, I don't think that'll work. <laughs> yeah, neither can mine. Yeah. <laughs> it can't hold a single byte. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I know, I don't know, but oh, then the, the the other solution is Mylio, right? So you guys have heard of Mylio, My Life yep. Online. Um, so they they're trying to do something similar with the cracking that holy grail of distributing your your images on all the devices that may want them and raw files, but it's it's an interesting solution and, and I think it works. I think they've, in terms of, with you know doing this stuff without the the limp like the two terabyte limit and without using a cloud solution because it's not a cloud based solution. It's more of a kind of a Napster BitTorrent type solution. Yeah, is it like a home appliance? No, it's software. It's software. Oh. This okay. thing, think, of, think of it as Napster for images. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, it's basically, yeah. okay. it's a private Napster for images. So yeah. it's your own Napster, but <laughs> you're subscribing. Do people get to steal my pictures too? <laughs> Do I get the whole Napster experience or no? no yeah, sorry. Sean Fanning is back. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's the, the point is I think there's companies that are looking at this, but there's no solution. I think what people want, um, all of us want would be a company like Adobe to say, hey, right. this next version of Lightroom is multi-user aware, and now you can have your library living in one location and check files in and out 
you know, or check images in and out, and it'll be smart enough to know that, hey, you know, Andy's working on this picture of the giraffe, and it has a, a padlock on it, so one, you can't mess with it yet, you know. Right. How hard is that? They already did that. Didn't, if, if I'm not mistaken, you guys know more about Photoshop than I do probably. Didn't they have in the past, or maybe they still do, a feature in Bridge that let you check out files and check them in? I, I thought that they had like a, a um, kind of like developers have. You know, they have a repository where they check the yeah. code in and whatnot. Yeah. Similar to that for assets, but I think it was based on a local area network. Okay. So it was. It didn't work remotely or whatnot. And you know, I suspect that because Adobe is well positioned to obviously fix this. Mm -hmm. But I think this is. You know, Adobe is a consumer-oriented company, just oh, like Apple. Oh, you Yeah. And we're <laughs> not the average consumer here, right? Yeah. We're not. So, we, also, yeah. keep in mind that that Lightroom runs off of SQLite, and as a technology, right. you know, it's it, it it's great at what it does, but it doesn't do a lot, and so that's. That's, what is what is SQLite, Andy? For people that don't know that stuff. So I used to be a DBA. So I'm gonna throw Wait, this out there. Wait, what's a DBA? A database administrator, <laughs> basically a mega dork. Okay. Okay, thank you. So SQLite is basically a database technology. Speak like you're speaking to a five-year-old. So. Yeah, it's a way of, of 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 holding records of all that metadata and and uh, where the uh, location of the photographs are located. That's all contained in a database, and that database is a very Small, lightweight, um, scalable to a point database. I mean, it works well at what it needs to do, but it's not a distributed check-in, check-out model. It's just not what it's designed to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, so I think it's they, just they would have to change the whole infrastructure, the underlying infrastructure, if they wanted to yeah. move to something like this. Yes, I'm, I'm sure they'd have to completely re-overhaul re it, and that's <laughs> that's not trivial. Yeah, it's not yeah. trivial. And I don't think I, mean, I don't think the market is there for them to do that. I mean, I think we're right. we're a small group of folks that uh, have that need compared to the average you know consumer out there, average uh, photo enthusiast. Yeah, yeah. Which means there's a but still there's a lot of us out there. Um, and if oh, Adobe yeah. if Adobe doesn't if it's not in their roadmap, nature will find a way, as mm -hmm. Jeff Goldblum said on Jurassic Park One, right? <laughs> <laughs> Life you know, finds a way. I, I've heard you use this quote a number of times. <laughs> it's true. Life finds a way. You know? Evolution, evolution doesn't play around. So, so it, it, the hole will be filled, right? So if Adobe doesn't do it, and people like us scream loud enough, another third party will pop up right. and say, "Hey, look at this! I have the solution for those people looking for multi-access database, non-SQL." you know, experiences. <laughs> and there have oh. been a few, actually, there have been a few that tried it, right? I think they've come and gone, though, you know, when, so I don't, I, I don't, I mean, the problem must be harder to do within the confines of, you know, an architecture such as Lightroom that is out of their control. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Valerie, do you care about any of this stuff? I mean, I mean, you're a single <laughs> user, right? I mean, this is like... You lost yeah. me a long time ago. Sorry. <laughs> You lost me, you lost me in DBA or whatever. <laughs> I, no, I just want things to be simple. I don't care how difficult it is to create. That's not my problem. You know, yeah, I yeah. just want simple for me. Yeah, a really good. We send people to the moon and beyond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We could probably figure a way to sync Lightroom between my laptop and my desktop. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my my best friend uh, is an engineer, and he says 
given enough time or money, anything's possible. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's all about priority, right? So, and, you know, I heard that a lot when I was at Apple, when I was working at Apple, you know, given enough time or money, you, they can build anything they want, but then you have to weigh who wants it, how many of them want it, what's the feature list of things that you have to build, where does it fit in that priority, all that stuff. And, you know, like Juan's saying, you know, we're a, we're a minority, a vocal minority, but we're still a minority, and we don't represent very much revenue for the company if they were to invest a million dollars into building this. Oh, wait, wait a second, you wanted to pay for this? I thought it was going to be free. <laughs> it's like, no one said yeah, anything about we, money. We're talking about money now? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's the internet. Add that to the equation. <laughs> it changes the whole conversation. <laughs> Oh, well. All right, guys. Uh, listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to tackle on the show, just visit us at thisweekinphoto.com and click on that Submit a Question link. You can submit us a question um, using your voice, or you can just type it in if you're shy. But either way, send us a question, and we'll try to get, it, get to it on an upcoming show. All right, after this quick break, we're going to jump into the picks of the week, where the guys and gal will share with you some of their favorite photography-related tools. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Panasonic Lumix cameras and the new Lumix G7 4K mirrorless interchangeable lens camera. This hybrid camera puts the power of 4K video and photography into the hands of all of us. Hybrid is when you mix stills and video, and now with the 4K photo features built into the Lumix G7, you can turn your 4K videos into high-resolution photos with just the touch of the screen. And because the camera can record 4K at up to 30 frames per second, you'll never miss a photo moment ever again. And with its groundbreaking depth from defocusing technology, you'll achieve super fast track focusing that rivals some of the best DSLRs in the world. And add to this that the camera is controllable from a smartphone app, and you end up with a camera that's changing photography for all of us. Find out more about this new camera over at LumixLounge.com and follow at LumixUSA on Twitter for updates. All right, folks, let's jump into the Picks of the Week segment. Remember, you can pick anything to recommend to the TWIP audience as long as it is related to photography. Andy Biggs, I'm going to let you go first, man. What's your Pick of the Week? About an hour before this started, the Tracker Bravo was delivered to my office. And what it is, it's a little tiny uh, device that connects to your smartphone. And if you lose your smartphone or if you lose your keys or your phone, you, you, they're bidirectional. You hit something on, the, on, the, on, the, on your phone, this beeps. If you hit this, your phone beeps. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah, so I don't lose anything anymore. Wait, uh, how does it connect to your phone? Like where... Well, it uses Bluetooth, but it also can connect to other ones. It's a peer-to-peer -peer network. So if you were to, like, let's say, go somewhere, and uh, your phone isn't with you, but your keys and the and the fob that's with it is connected to somebody else's that's within, I don't know what the distance is, but they all talk to each other. And the more that their devices that are around, the better the network. Yeah. So it doesn't use GPS or anything like that. It uses a simple little tiny, uh, like a hearing aid battery inside. So it'll go out over time, but the app shows you the strength of the battery, and you can name each of these. So I bought two packages, which has four devices, uh, two for my wife, so she can keep track of her phone, and uh, it's just really cool. I like it. That's cool. Yeah, so I'm going to attach one to my little Sony RX100, and it's usually somewhere around the house. Yeah. And uh, you just hit a button, and let's see if it'll do it right now. Hear that? Uh, no. And then you let go. Uh, I didn't hear it. Let's try it again. 
Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the minute you take your finger off this little button, it stops ringing. So you can you can uh, find your phone without uh, having to rely on somebody else's phone to go some go to the uh, Find My Phone app on on um, uh, was it iCloud or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. That's cool. What's, cool. The, what's the price? I have no idea because I did their Kickstarter campaign. Oh, okay. Uh, it's been so long, but um, <laughs> like every other Kickstarter campaign. Oh, don't get me started on that, man. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. What, I have no idea what I paid. How's that for deal? But yeah. I, put, I put a link in the in the show notes. Cool. All right, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that automation stuff. Like, I would like for that thing to work in. Like if I had one on me and I forget to bring stuff with me, like sometimes I forget, like okay, I forgot my phone or my keys or something. There should I should be able to say, okay, if I'm a certain distance away from the house, alert me that something's missing. You know, go back and get your wallet. I mean, I've left the house without my wallet before. It'd be awesome to like, oh, I better go back and get my wallet. You know. Here, here's your answer. One of these is twenty nine bucks, and three of them is fifty eight. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, I mean that's something, but. Yeah, for, and for then the yeah, four of them or five of them are eighty-seven. So it gets down to under twenty dollars per unit, cool. uh, and that they're small, little, they're they, they weigh nothing. Pretty All right, cool. yeah. All right. Pretty cool. cool. And that's called the Tracker Bravo, right? Tracker Bravo, and they're going to have more um, <laughs> devices coming up soon. Ones that'll like slip inside your wallet, so you can find your wallet. That'll be the Tracker Delta. <laughs> it's not magnetic, is it? Yeah. You yeah, won't no magnetize your uh, credit cards, are you? That would be bad. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your credit cards will love it, and your hotel keys will love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Andy. Thanks a lot. That's an excellent pick of the week. Thanks for that. All right, Juan Pons. I'll let you go next, man. What's your pick of the week? <clears throat> well, my pick of the week is the unique ball, which is a new kind of ball head that you use. You know, for us, especially for us wildlife photographers, we end up having to carry oftentimes with us two types of heads in the field, a regular ball head for landscape images um, and then a gimbal head to be able to support those large, large lenses, like the 600, 500 millimeter lenses. Yeah. The cool thing about the unique ball, it combines both systems into one ball head. A, basically a ball head that allows you to support a large lens without having to fight with it and having flopping over from left to right. I've been using one of these for a few months now and I'm absolutely in love with them. They're they're amazingly easy to use for big lenses. You know, they're not the best ball head per se as out there. You know, a ball head from really right stuff, I think it's going to be better if you're going to be using a ball head 90% of the time. But this is a great compromise. You know, as I travel so much, having to carry a big gimbal head from Wimberley plus my ball head and then switching both things back and forth at the time, the pain in the butt. This one ball head actually works really well for both landscapes and um, and long lenses. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually smitten with this with this ball head. And I'm trying to find the price here on the page. How much is this thing? Um, they go in the U.S. for about $540. Oh, oh. But, you know, oh. this is the same price as a good ball head or a, a big Wimberly as well. So yeah. instead of having two devices that cost about approximately that, you have one device that costs about that much. Very cool. Andy, what are, what are you using when you're, when you're out and about shooting wildlife? You know, I'm, I'm a handheld guy in a beanbag. Okay. Uh, given, given where I am and what I do, uh, some of the countries that I'm working in in Africa, I'm, dri I'm, the, guy, I'm the guy driving the vehicle, so <laughs> I don't have much room for anything. So you're not shooting. <laughs> yeah, not much. I don't, I don't shoot much. You know, I'd say a typical safari these days, I'll come home with less than 
three or 400 photographs. But I'm also shooting medium format. My longest lens is a Schneider 240, mm. which is like 190 millimeters on a full frame Nikon or Canon. So that's, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I don't use much. That's it. All you need is your DXO one and a beanbag, and you're good. <laughs> you're, you're the equivalent of me, but in the safari world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my, my I recognize my job. My job is to get people to their photographs, and if I can take one, great. But usually, it's I, I you know, I'm not pulling out the camera very often. No, uh, yeah. The the cobbler's children never have good shoes, right? That's right. That's there right. You go. There you go. All right. Well, thanks for that, uh, Juan. That's good. That's the unique ball, right? U N I Q B A L L. We'll link to it in the notes, obviously. Cool. And Valerie, what is um, your pick? It's a book, and actually, uh, today I just interviewed Gordon Lewis uh, for Street Focus. That one episode will be released in August, I think. And oh. he wrote Street Photography that was published at Rocky Nook. It's a great book, great guy, very knowledgeable. We had a really great conversation today. Uh, so if you don't listen to Street Focus, Please do. Um, and uh, today we talked about one of his chapters, which is about defining a style. And it was a great conversation. Really, really a great book for anyone who is already dabbling into street photography or is thinking about it. So love it. The yeah. art of capturing the candid moment. Mm -hmm. cool. I love it. Yeah, Gordon Lewis. Cool. Yeah, you got a good. I'm glad you you made this pick because I want to give a shout out to our friends at Rocking Nook. They've been really generous and helping us supply books to like you and, and Jennifer and um, Jan and other people that are in the network are going to be doing contest giveaways. And their books are fantastic. So I mean, They're really high quality and they ship directly to the, uh, to the winner. So good stuff. Thank you. And this is like 30 bucks on um, for a print version. I think, I think it's only like $23 on Amazon right now. Yeah, or you can get an ebook. Yeah, or you can get it used for sixteen thirty-eight. But I would recommend buying it new, so Rocky yeah. Nook gets their gets a cut of it. <laughs> so, right. Very cool, awesome. Um, I don't have a pick of the week, so I am not going to share anything. I think all you guys did a fantastic job. I have a couple picks of the weeks that I'm testing right now, but I am not allowed to share them. So they will be mm. shared in an upcoming version. One of them is a Kickstarter. Nice. <laughs> so, how much you pay oh. for it? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. <laughs> when is it coming out? <laughs> uh, I, well, it's supposed to be, the embargo is supposed to be lifted at the end of the month, but I'll give you a hint. It is a it's a Kickstarter that purports to solve the. Actually, you know what? I can show you. It's a public Kickstarter, right? Oh, let me show you. So it's this thing. I just can't talk about what it does in my experiences. So <laughs> no. can you guys see that? Wait, no, not really. Wait, hold on. Wait. <laughs> wait. Wait for it. Uh-huh. Wait, can you see it? It looks like a lipstick. Yeah, well, it's called the... Wait, maybe back here. Here it is. It's called the Lima, and it's a, it's a device. The, the, you can find it at meetlima.com. Um, and what it's supposed to do, it says their tagline is it gives your devices a common soul. So it's basically your <laughs> private syncing network. So you plug this thing into a hard drive, and now you can access those files from wherever. You know, kind of like what Drobo does with Transporter. Okay. And, yeah. you know, there's other people that do it, but they have a slightly different spin on it um, to allow you to access things from any device that you happen to be on. They do that smart checking in, checking out, and that kind of thing. Mm. So, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to try it out because hopefully it'll, it'll fill that missing gap because I'm trying to build the perfect pro photographer with a lot of data, but also wants to have things on the cloud, but doesn't have time to put everything 
or bandwidth or decades to put everything <laughs> up on a cloud, you know, like Dropbox or not Dropbox, but like Backblaze or something like that. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a, I know there's a formula in there, and hopefully this, you know, I'm going to experiment with it. Maybe this is the solution to that piece of it, that last mile to getting things accessible all over the place. You so, sure it doesn't sync Lightroom between my laptop and my desktop? I don't know. I don't know. You know what? Check this, that out. The box, the box is still sealed right here. You can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even opened the box yet. So I'm, uh, I'm saving it for a rainy day. I'm going to play with it when I'm in uh, geek out mode, and I'll do an <laughs> unboxing and all that stuff. So that is my pick of the week. I'll put that in there. But, yeah, I think the, I think you can still order them, actually. So they think they're they're up and they're but they're not publicly shipping yet. I think maybe at the end of June they will be publicly shipping. The Kickstarter will be over. But in terms of Kickstarters, this is why I was groaning when you mentioned Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. That thing I signed up for that Kickstarter program two years ago. <laughs> right. Oh man, facepalm. Two years ago, and I just I keep getting these emails of like, hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're doing that. I'm like. Really? <laughs> like how long? Yeah. They're adding new features or they're improving it for your benefit, right? Yeah, I wrote them a letter. I wrote them a, a kind of a, a sharply worded letter. And I was like, you know what? In the time since your Kickstarter has been going, Apple released a watch, Google released Google <laughs> Plus and killed it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Come on, dude. It's not that hard. Like 35 million cameras have come out and gone. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm listening. So it when I open it, angels better fly out of this box. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Rainbows and unicorns. I know. Yeah, something in there. Yeah. <laughs> so so I'm gonna play with it. That's why I don't want to open it because I'm gonna be disappointed if I open it. And it's like eh. <laughs> two, this is two years. This is a movie that's two years in the making. <laughs> Be good. So, anyway, uh, that's it, guys. Before we sign off, I want to find out what you guys have coming up. Andy, why, why don't you go first? What's going on in your world, man? I'm running some more domestic workshops. I'll be in the uh, southern coast of Oregon in early August. Uh, a couple of lectures here and there, and then back to Africa in September and November, rounding out the year. I love it. I want to nice. be just like all of you guys. You guys, see, that's why I do these shows, so I can live vicariously through you. I'm stuck here in the middle of nowhere with no water in California, and you guys are yeah. bouncing all over the place having fun. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's awesome. Cool. And Juan, what about you, man? What do you have coming up? Well, I've, I've filled out a lot of my workshops for the end of this year and uh, some for the beginning of the year, so summer is always a slow time for me. I like to take time to hang out at the lake and hang out with the family and, and do our uh, summer long trip. We Every year we go on a two to three week trip. Last year we went across the country and we visited Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. This year we're actually heading south and we're going to hit um, the Skyline Drive, the Blue Ridge Parkway, the Smokies National Park, oh. and then we're going to end up with a, in a few days in uh, Washington, D.C., which I haven't been in forever. So it'll yeah. be it'll be fun. So and then, you know, after that, hanging out with my family a little bit more before, you know, the fall busy season begins. Yeah. And we have a little bit of news to announce, don't we, Juan? Paul? Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, I want to reveal it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm the host, the co-host of the Digital Photo Experience with um, podcast with uh, Rick Salmon. We've been doing this podcast for almost five years now, and uh, we are about to join the TWIP network. Yes. We are growing Frederick's empire. 
Jupiter. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gravity that can't be denied. Well, um, exactly. so yeah, we're, we're really excited about this. I think it'll be great. Um, it'll expose us to a whole different group of people. And, uh, you know, I think it's just, you know, it's just been Rick and I out there by ourselves. Now we're going to have a lot more fun with a bigger group of people. So Yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's like, yeah, yeah, welcome, man. It's like uh, somebody somebody uh, sent me a, a message on Instagram or commented on a photo on Instagram. They said, Frederick, you're you're like this, like a Sith Lord, you know, and like bringing all these people in. And I, I thought about it, and I'm like, much as I like that reference, uh, yeah. We're more Twip is more like the Rebel Alliance. You yeah, know? there you go. <laughs> I'll be Han Solo, you know. Yes. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Twip hosts, Valerie is one of our superstar hosts with Street Focus, crushing it over and there. It's going to be loyal a, followers. It's going to be an exciting summer on Street Focus. I've been recording like crazy because I'm taking the whole month of July off and. And I want to have shows through August because uh, then it's going to be crazy for the fall season with workshops again. So uh, lots of great shows coming. So, you know, people who are not photographers listen to Street Focus, I, I found out. So if you're, if you're not a street photographer, then you'll love it just the same as if you're a street photographer. But if you're not a photographer, you'll still love it. So there. So everybody will love it. Everybody will love it. That's what I hear from people who are not doing, never shoot. They still listen to my show, so that's how good it is. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you sound, on that show, you sound like you're having such a good time, and it, I just, am. it I comes am. through. Yeah. It's been really fun. And then, uh, yeah, I'm planning the 2016 workshops, which are already selling. I mean, May 2016 in Paris is already half sold out. So it's kind of crazy. And But before that, I'm meeting up with uh, Juan in Chicago this weekend. We're uh, okay. presenting at the Out of Chicago Conference. Yeah, that's uh, that's Chris Smith's thing, yeah. right? Yes, yeah, Chris Smith. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I spoke with Chris over the weekend. Uh, I told him to leave. I told him that you guys require red jelly beans in your hotel room, so he's going to oh, be. <laughs> we'll be looking for them. And they have to be twip red, twip red jelly beans in your hotel room. No, but he and I spoke. We're we're. I'm going to speak at the conference in 2016, so oh, cool. I will be joining you guys up there. So awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'll have the whole big family. Yeah, There'll be a lot of fun. Lot, lots of people. Lots of instructors. So in Chicago yeah. is always a fun town. Yeah, I'm thinking we may have to do an episode up there of Twip, live from uh, live from Chicago, my hometown. Yeah, that's right. Cool. All right, guys. Well, we're at the end of another episode of Twip. A huge thank to our sponsors, Panasonic Lumix cameras and FreshBooks for their support. And if you want to obviously follow This Week in Photo, just head over to thisweekinphoto.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.